things um, in the past several months about that. And I was reminded just a few weeks ago of the importance of being ready, being ready in season and out of season to give a reason for the faith that is within us, to give a reason to share truths about God. Now, we would say in Christian circles, being ready to share the gospel. Just like maybe a week and a half ago, I was walking in Lefkosia. We found an old bookstore. And looking through that bookstore with a friend, I noticed many English titles, really old ones too, from like 1800 and below. And I was amazed that this guy had really old books. So I started talking to him about these books, and just about all of them was some Christian topic, something about the faith. Some of them were kind of off and mystical. Some of them were more, you know, how to make your life better. But some were straight up gospel, God-centered, Bible-centered verses. And I asked him, has he ever read any of those books? And he says, no, no, I struggle with Jesus. He's a stumbling block to me. And I thought, oh boy, how is he a stumbling block to you? And he says, well, Jesus said he is the, tr- the only way. That you're saying Christianity is the only way to God. And as we are about to get further into that conversation, it got cut. Something happened. Somebody else came in the store. And we weren't able to go further with that conversation. And then about, I guess, a week ago, Don and I had an opportunity to host some students from Afghanistan and Iran into our home for a meal. And we were talking and we actually went around and walked the harbor in Guernay and just enjoying God's creation. And I kept thinking, I want to get to a conversation about God. But it never happened. It just, they would talk about something and horseback riding in Tajikistan and, and what the Taliban is like and then what it's like in Iran. And I was learning a lot about their countries. We went through dinner and just still conversations were just kind of bouncing all over the place. And I'm driving them home. And I'm like, Lord, please, I want to talk more about you. So on the way home, I'm asking the Lord, and we're driving in the car, and I ask them, tell me more about your faith system. What is it that you believe? We got to their house, and they invited me in for tea. And then for the next two hours, they asked questions. And I asked questions about their faith system and our faith system. I was able to bridge in the gospel conversations, but I walked away from that conversation, the conversation at the bookstore. I walked away thinking we never got to a clear presentation of what the gospel tells us, a clear idea of why and who Jesus is. That's what I want to talk about today. Are you prepared to share the gospel with your friends? When given the chance, can you launch into a full gospel presentation and then ask them, do you believe what I just said? Are you prepared to do that? So really, this sermon is for me. <laughs> I've been, I've sat through plenty of seminar where someone said, here's the outline. Here's the steps you take. And when I was talking to my friends, that's almost like I forgot those steps. It just blew out of my mind, and I finished the conversation. I thought, ah, I didn't walk down the steps. So this is about, this topic tonight, today, is about what are the steps to share your faith? What's an outline that we might could follow? Now, as a church, we've spent several, several weeks talking about reaching out. LPC has given us 
Great teachings on the why. Brother Bola, not too long ago, helped us see why and how Christ is the only author and perfecter of our faith. In Christ alone, we are saved. So we know that. We've got that. We know that Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Christ alone is the one who saves us. Pastor Andrew helped us see we need not be fearful in this life. We're reminded that God's voice is given to us in the Bible, and it's the one thing that melts away our fear. So we have no fear for life itself, but even no fear when sharing our faith with others, for God is with us. Of course, Pastor James, through several sermons, helped us understand the importance of knowing more about the people around us so that we can present the gospel to them in a way that they would understand. He helped us to understand postmodern thinking, ATR, African traditional religious thinking. He helped us to understand that people are influenced by traditions and traditional Christianity. Um, and even helped us understand that there are those that are following Islam and how to break through that worldview and present the gospel. And he reminded us that it is a command that we are to go. It's the great commission. We are commanded by Christ to go and share our faith. So we have a church that's been talking. We've been talking about this for quite some time. So <laughs> I'm thinking you guys must, if I, we must have some great stories to tell. Do you have a great story to tell of who you tried to share with and how it went? Were you able to get into conversations? Or can you think even now, ah, maybe in that conversation I could have bridged into a spiritual talk. It's, sometimes it's not as easy as we think. And maybe we have regrets. In fact, I come to you again today saying, even last night, having dinner with some Turkish friends, I failed to walk over the conversational bridge that was right before me of fasting. In our conversation, we talked about our visits around the world, and we both had visited Dubai. And they were telling us how they went to Dubai during Ramadan and how everyone was fasting during that holiday. And then it moved on to something else. And then that topic moved on to something else. And I got home and I thought there were so many possible ways for me to use that topic of fasting to bridge into a full gospel presentation. I could have asked, what do you believe about faithing? In your faith system, why do people fast? In Islam, why do people fast? What else do you do to please God? I could have asked. I could have said, is it sinful not to fast? And then I could have said, how does your religion deal with the problem of sin? The idea of observing and asking questions is at the core, really, of building gospel bridges. We all can do that. We all can be curious about the people around us. Our guy, the guy at the bookstore, you know, he said Jesus is a stumbling block for him. How could I have turned that conversation into a full-blown conversation about God. My Afghan friends who kept asking me questions and comparing Christianity to Islam and which is better and the history, how could I have gained control of that conversation and moved it in a direction that I wanted it to go? It starts with committing to walking the bridges before you with simple questions. You heard me say it already. In your faith system, blah, 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 what do you do for this? What about the problem of sin? Good question to ask. In your faith system, what about the problem of sin? How do you guys take care of it? 
Are your sins paid off with? Always a great follow-up question. When will it be paid off? And then that allows us to get to the key question that I did not get to over the past couple weeks, and I'm reminding myself in this sermon to get there, is to say, what I believe is different. Our key question to always be able to transition into a deeper conversation about God. We ask, what is your faith system? What about the problem of sin? Is it paid off yet? What do you believe? Will it ever be paid off? And then to say, what I believe is different because I know my sins are forgiven because God himself made a way for our sins to be forgiven. Simple transition opens the door to say, can I tell you more? And then we should walk straight away into a path for a conversation. So this morning, I want to give you the straightforward outline to help you build the bridge into a spiritual conversation. So for me, I'm always thinking, get to God, get to sin, get to Christ, get to faith, get to new life. That's my direction in my mind for my conversation that I need to keep reminding myself. Get to God, get to sin, which is also a question about getting to man. Who is man? What's the problem with man? Get to Christ. How does Christ fix that problem? Get to a response. What's the, what do I do with this new knowledge? And get to understanding our role. So the gospel tells us, the first slide, I think we have slides, is that God. The first thing we want to talk about is God. God is our maker. If you're thinking in our mind, I want to move a conversation intentionally, start with God. That's why I just read that long passage in Genesis. We need to remind ourselves and remind the people around us that God exists. He is real and he is the creator of all things. Verse 27, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, 1 through 27, including us, right? We are created beings. Acts 17 takes that idea a little further in the 24th verse. Um, Paul talking to the people in Athens, he says, the God who made this world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwellings, that they should seek God and hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. So like Paul explaining to the people in Athens that we must introduce the creator to those who have forgotten to remember and then go on from there. The gospel tells us of God our maker in whom we live and we move and we have our ways and we worship and we serve, in whom whose hands we are. We are in God's hands for good or for bad. Always will we remain in his hands. His purpose and his his purposes always should determine ours. We are in the hands of God and God controls our steps. J.L. Packer says, not till the creator's claim is seen can... We ever grasp the sinfulness of sin. We need to understand and teach the creator and what he created and what happened before we can then understand the problem. 
The Bible teaches, Christians believe, that God made everyone, everything, and therefore we're accountable to Him and we're obligated and created to worship Him. The divine creator, man created in His image, to image God, to be like God, to, to walk this earth and to till His land. God created us to glorify Him, to work His purposes, to enjoy Him. But somehow, in our modern world, we tend not to look at the Creator anymore. This past summer, my daughter visited us, and we spent a lot of time walking around, walking paths on the mountains, going in the ocean. One night, we were sitting in the pool at our complex, looking up at the sky, and just both of us had forgotten to look up in a long time. And we looked to the creation, we looked to the stars, and we just began to, to say, we are nothing. We are but a speck in this great earth. And immediately our attention was turned to God, our creator. And as we were sitting there looking at the pool, just praising God, thinking how big things are, a streak of light went passing us. And then about five other dots of lights went past it. And we're like, what is happening? Is the sky falling? Is the satellite falling to earth? And then in the blink of eye, it was gone, and the expanse of sky was there. And I was immediately reminded, even man's creation will fade. And we might could put stars, satellites in the sky. We might can do great things. But if we're not looking to our creator, we will forget. All day long, we look at this. And that reminds me, why are so many people saying there's no God these days? I think Romans 1.5 gives us the answer. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. If we are spending our time looking at only what, God is, what man has created, I think we begin to lose the awe of God, the master creator. We have created, men have created some great things, and they're to our great benefit. But if we only keep our eyes fixed upon what men say, we'll miss the bigger picture of who we are in God's kingdom. That's why so many people are saying there's no God. And part of our job is to first remind them that there is a God. Look up and look around and see. Because what happens is, in our presentation, there is God, and then there is sin. God, our maker, moves to the second point, sin, our failure. Some people say, God, man, meaning man's problem. What is man's sin? Romans 3.23 reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans, what I just read in 125, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator, the creature rather than the creator. The gospel tells us about the first persons. And in that, if we were to keep reading in that narrative at the beginning in Genesis, we would see that God created Adam and Eve and he made them in his image and he created them to be in relationship with him, right? we would see that they were given great freedom to eat of the fruits of any tree in the garden. But we see that God commanded them to not do one thing, eat the fruit of the tree of good knowledge of good and evil. God promised that if they ate that fruit, they would die. 
But we know that one day, and you know this story, but we need to remind this story of others to others. We know that one day Satan visited Eve in the form of a serpent and tempted her to eat the fruit that God had forbidden. And she ate it, right? And it gave it to Adam, and he ate it. Suddenly, what happened? They, they understood that they were disobeying God and that they have sinned. And they realized that they were naked and felt ashamed and made coverings for themselves. That this sin had brought them shame and fear. And they tried to hide from God. As he promised, God punished Adam and Eve for their disobedience. And because of their sin, God cast them out of the garden. And eventually they would die. You know, it's really interesting that in the Old Testament, the Torah, the Travat, however the person is before you, whatever they would say the Old Testament scriptures are, it says Adam and Eve committed how many sins? Just one. And it resulted in their judgment and death. They hadn't killed anybody. They didn't commit adultery. They didn't steal anything. They disobeyed just once. And it resulted in banishment, punishment. Expelled from God's garden. Ultimately, it led to their death. Sometimes, you know, we think that if our goods, deeds can outweigh our bad deeds, our sins will be forgiven. That's not what the Bible says. Our sin separates us from God and breaks our relationship with him. But God still loves those he made because he made us in his image. Therefore, he loves what he creates. And he made a way for us, for them, his creation, to be purified from their sins and to be reconciled back to him. God is just. He does not leave guilt and sin unpunished. After pronouncing his judgment on Adam and Eve, God judged the serpent too, who had deceived them. God promised that a Savior would come and crush the serpent's head. And over the centuries that followed, right, we know a Savior would come that would crush. A Savior would come that the prophets talked about. A Savior who would take away the sins of the world, that those who trust in God, that their sins would be forgiven. It's also, right, the sin problem. I know it's taken care of for me because I know that God inter- instituted a sacrificial system. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Because of this, since the beginning, all of man's, all of God's prophets talked about the way that sin can be forgiven. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, all offered sacrifices because They were a symbol of the promised Messiah that was to come. So the gospel tells us that we were the helpless sinner. In our own rebellion, we cannot put ourselves right. Again, J.L. Packer, J.I. Packer says, not till we begin to grasp these things, our sin, who God is, that can we ever appreciate the dimensions of the declaration that Jesus Christ saves us from sin. So in our presentation to those around us, we're talking about God, we're talking about sin, our fundamental problem, that sin keeps us from worshiping God. In fact, we've exchanged it. All of our societies exchanged it for to worship the created. Ourselves is included in that. We've decided to worship ourselves rather than God. We've become idolaters. 
and we are under God's judgment. Sin means we're guilty, means there's a penalty, means there is death. So without Christ, our friends that we talk to are on a path, are walking in darkness, and they are in their sin. We are in our sin. But that's why Jesus came. He had to die. So the third point of a presentation, we're thinking, I get to God, I get to man and the problem to sin, and then I get to Christ, our Savior. Move our conversation to the idea that God loves us and that there is a way to overcome this sin problem that we find ourselves in. Romans 1 says, The gospel of God, which He promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need to move our conversation to the person of Christ, that he died and rose from the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great reminder of us. It says, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. He appeared to Peter and then the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500. This story about Christ is not just a story. It's actual. It happened. Jesus came in the form. God came in the form of a man. His name is Jesus to this earth and lived a perfect life. And then he was crucified. And he rose again. You know, Jesus said when he was walking this earth, he said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 14. My friend, well, maybe he'll be my friend. I go back. That guy in the bookstore, he was stumbling over this. How could it be? How could it be that Jesus could say he was the only way to God? And the reason is, Because Jesus was there at the beginning at creation. Jesus is God and created all of us. So when Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life, he's just simply reflecting on the fact that he created us in the first place. And he has the right to say, only through me on this earth and the sacrifice that I make, the death that I do on the cross, that is the way because I am the creator. He has the right to say that. The the gospel This gospel that we proclaim tells us of Christ. We must also teach both the facts and meanings of his life, his death, his resurrection, his reign. Let's spell out to people who he is and what he's done. We teach folks to interpret the meaning and purpose of life, thinking through the eyes of we've been created by a creator. You know, sometimes we can get stuck in doctrines and theologies But really, it's when we talk about who Jesus is and what he did, that's what draws sinners unto him. It's amazing, really, if we think about it. An utterly unique thing about the gospel is it doesn't point to a man outside of Christ, a spiritual leader. It doesn't point to ourselves. It doesn't point to our performances for our salvation, but to the person and work of Christ. We go and tell the world that God came into his creation as a man. His name is Jesus. He came, born of a virgin, descendant of a woman. Jesus lived a sin, 
Less life and performed great miracles, proving himself to be a long-awaited Savior and Messiah. We need to let people know that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, great and wonderful things happened. He was prophesied, his birth. Let's tell people about the birth of the Savior and the circumstances that happened around his birth. Let's tell people that there was a guy named John who pointed to Jesus and said, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's explain to them why. Why a lamb was used as animals, as sacrifices in history past. And why Jesus said, hey, I must die. Because he's pointing towards the sacrificial system that the Old Testament talked about. Let's tell them. That Jesus didn't come only to show the way, but he came to be the way to God. Let's show them that he surrendered himself willingly to go to the cross to the Jewish leaders and the Roman soldiers. Jesus submitted to authority, even though he was the authority. But he did it purposefully so that those people would send him to the cross, that he would be willingly take the sacrifice for your sins and mine. The Bible says... All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his names. You can find that in the book of Acts. And in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. You can find that in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5. So we talk about these things with people. If you have time, talk about all of the circumstances around the cross how he suffered and bled willingly, how he was dying and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He said that he forgave others while on the cross. And then he cried out, it is finished. That means our debt, our sin debt has been paid for. He bowed his head and died. But we tell our friends it doesn't end there. We know that he, was, he died on the cross, taken down. We tell the story of the veil being ripped in two, of the earth shaking, the heavens opening up, and then going and being buried. But then what happened on the third day? We know that he arose from the dead, just like he said. We talk about those things with the, our friends around us. We talk about how after his resurrection, he walked around. For a long time, 40 days, he appeared to more than 500 people. We read that in scriptures before we started the service. He was taken to heaven. And we know that one day Jesus will return to earth as judge over mankind. He came this life to be the perfect sacrifice for us. We heard in John where he came not to judge the world, but to save the world through his actions. But his second coming is coming to judge So we need to let people know. So this is heavy, right? God created all things. There's a problem. So we're thinking in our mind, I get to God. I get to the problem. I get to sin and man is the problem. I get to the solution. The solution is Christ. And we talk about the life of Christ and all. There's so much to talk about in the life of Christ. And then we get to the fourth part of an outline to have in in your head when thinking about reaching out is faith. We talk about faith, our response. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, it's a very, you know this verse, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
The key word there is whoever believes in him. Acts 2, 28 goes on to say, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. We believe, then we repent, and then we are baptized. There is somewhat of a structure here of faith, repentance, discipleship. Baptism is an expression of discipleship, meaning you're learning all you need to learn about who Christ is and what the Scripture says and what Christianity is, and you say, I want to identify with that through baptism, and we'll be seeing that next week. Faith is our response. Repentance is the proof of our faith. Baptism shows that we are willing to be discipled and taught by the church. This is why I know my sins are forgiven. The Bible tells us Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and that we must accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and trust that he paid the price for our sins. If we believe in Christ, we will be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. So the gospel tells of faith. I'm going to say this over and over again because it's important that as we share who God is, the problem, the solution, and then our response is to respond in faith and to call out to him and say, yes, I believe. But what's interesting, the world has so twisted this, sometimes the world tells us that we must clean our act up first and repent first and then believe. It's a fine line. We are not following a works-based system. We're following a system that says Jesus died for us. He did all the work. We believe, and then that belief draws us to God, which then causes us to say no to our sin and to turn from it. We had a Bible study last Thursday and asked a great question. How do I keep from sinning? Was the question. What if I keep on sinning? Am I still saved? And for me... The answer is in this pattern. We believe first. We look to the person of Christ. We allow him to begin to teach us. And we say, my life is wrong. I am walking in darkness. I should turn from that through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe first. He gives me the strength to say, that is wrong. That is sinful. And I repent of those sins. And I turn the other way. If we are still stuck in our sins, we need to ask ourselves, have we yet to believe? Have I taken the faith step and said, Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life, that there is no other way to be saved except through him? Perhaps we are stuck on ourselves. Perhaps we are trying to stop sinning on our own, and we're failing. We're failing is because you've got it backwards. Faith first, accepting Christ first, and what he has done for us, and being able to receive power from him that's promised to overcome our sin but there's the definition of faith faith is acceptance and conviction regarding the gospel message it causes us to cast our cares and our hope upon the promises of christ it says christ is our only hope repentance is the change of heart and mind leading to the new life of denying self and serving our newfound king our newfound lord in our own place. Discipleship is following his commands, which lead into baptism. Because of our, because the source of our salvation, another quote from Packer, I believe, 
Because the source of our salvation is outside of us, the source of our condemnation is inside of us, we have to turn away from our sin in self and turn to the Savior in faith for salvation. Salvation is outside. Our sin is in here. We turn to Christ to forgive us of our sin and we turn away and we turn to our Savior for faith. And our Savior gives us the strength to turn away from our sin. As many have received him, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those that believe in his name. We must individually receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Then we can know God personally and love him. We receive Christ through faith. That is the message we give. By grace, you have been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of our works that no one should boast. We receive Christ. We receive salvation, faith, knowing, believing, trusting into repentance. John 3, I kind of want to read that real quick. I think we have time. And I think this is just great in moving into the next section of the gospel tells us about new life and our future. So John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. You must be born again. It is God who causes us to be born again. If we think about the first time we were born, we had nothing to do with that. Our parents did all that work, and God knitted us inside the womb. Nothing to do with that on our firstborn. The same is for our second birth. We have nothing to do with being a Christian. It is all Christ, the creator. Now think about it. It all fits back to the creation. The creator created this whole thing. He creator created us in that first instance through the mud, through the, through the dirt, he created man. And through the man, he created woman. Later, we are created through a, a process, right? But we did nothing to do with it. And our spiritual thing is the same. God remains the creator. He creates faith in us when we hear the message. And that is part of our role, our new life, the future. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. The fifth step on there is our new life, the future. Our future is that we are a new creation. We were buried with, Romans 6, 4 says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 Reminds us this as well. Do you not know 
make sure I got the right place. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexually immoral, idolaters, 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 men who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. You get a new life. You were one way. You meet God, and He changes you to be a new way. Many of us are these things, but when we accept Christ, we have a new life before us. 2 Corinthians 5 says something similar. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. We have a new life. The old has passed. Our old sinful ways can be overcome because now we are seeking after Christ. The goal of salvation is not just simply being separated from hell and judgment, but we get a new life with God through Christ. It's more than just salvation. Our new life brings us into a community with others, believers in the church. We are to be discipled by Christ through the teaching of His Word. We submit to one another in our new life, and we are discipled with others, and we disciple other believers. Discipleship, again, Packer, he says, discipleship is a matter of relating oneself to the living, exalted Christ as both learner and follower, and to the rest of Christ's disciples as one who longs both to learn from them and to give to them, who knows that his master's will is from him and will be in their company. These things must be clearly taught. The nature of the Christian life will will surely be misunderstood if we don't talk about the newness of life. If we remember in the creation story, God gave man a role. They were, to na- they were to name the animals. They were to work the earth. God gave them purpose. In our new life, the same is for us. The gospel speaks of newness leading to a new future. It's a future with a new community here on earth, within the church, and ultimately into eternity with God in heaven. Since we repented from our old ways, we turn to Christ and his church. We turn towards the heavens where God assures us of our eternity. And we know, and we believe that we will escape eternal death. These steps, these five steps, this is what the gospel tells us of our God, of our sin, of, our, of Christ, of faith, and our new list. Does this make sense? Like, that's a great way to transition a conversation. And I ask you today, does this make sense to you? God's plan. Do you want to believe? You can believe this message right now. All you have to do is to cry out to the Lord in prayer to say, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the creator. I believe that my sin has kept me from knowing you.
I believe that you, Jesus, are the truth, the way, and the life that no one comes to to know you except by believing in you. I believe in faith and trust you. Help me to turn from my sins. That can be your prayer even as we speak. To know God and to be changed forever. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we take a moment and we reflect on this passage, these passages. If there is anyone here that is still walking in darkness, Lord, mining their own path, help them to believe. And Lord, we pray, forgive us of our sins. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. Take away my sins. Lord Jesus, help me to turn and to stop doing the things that are displeasing to you. Build my faith, Lord Jesus, that I might follow you. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, for those of us in this room that do believe, help us to be intentional with our conversations. When your Holy Spirit prompts us to walk over a bridge in a conversation, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will also give us the strength and the courage to take that gospel bridge, to say simple things like, what I believe is different. And then, Lord, give us the time and the strength and the memory. Lord, I need the memory to remember, to talk about you first and then move to the problem, to spend time talking about your life, the wonderful things you have done. Remind me to camp out there in conversation and then to ask people for faith. Would you like to believe? Help us as we reach out to this nation to be bold in our conversation. And Lord, to remember that we have nothing to fear as we have learned. To remember that we are commanded as we have learned, it's called the Great Commission, to remember that we are preaching Christ and Christ alone. All the things you've been teaching us for the past month or so, help us to remember that and to boldly share our faith with those around us. Might many people believe because of our actions to love you by sharing this wonderful good news to those around us. Lord, thank you for the newness of life as well, that we're not alone. Help us to love one another, to disciple one another, to spur one another on to good deeds in the church. In the name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen.